Join Anthony Esselin, John Warwick Montgomery, Beverly Yonke, Mark Haltoff, Ryan Anderson, Todd Wilkin, and yours truly for the Fall 2018 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, Friday, November 9th and Saturday, November 10th in Dallas, Texas. To learn more, register at issuesetc.org. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Monday, August 27th, 2018. A little modified format today due to the importance of the sermon we're going to be reviewing. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I'm your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Sadly, there is no shortage of crazy things being said out there. And we take the time to open up God's Word to compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles, and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to and whose books we need to be buying and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that works. Over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine that's put forward for consumption by the average evangelicals, far from biblical, far from what God's Word says, uh, most of these people aren't even trying anymore. It's really getting bad out there. And uh, we're trying to uh, save you some eternal grief, is a good way of putting it, uh, by inoculating you against their false teaching and their Bible-twisting methods so that you can instead uh, learn what God's Word really does say. It's far more exciting and amazing what uh, the Word of God actually says and reveals than what these yahoos, and that's what they are, they are yahoos, uh, what these yahoos are saying. Now, like I said at the beginning of the program, today's episode will be a slightly modified format, and the reason why is I hit pay dirt. <laughs> going, huh? You hit pay, huh? Now, I, now listen to what I'm going to say here is that uh, I have found a new person to review as far as sermon reviews are concerned, and this woman is openly doing a sermon series on the New Apostolic Reformation, and she's in it. She's... (laughs) Somebody alert Michael Brown. We actually have a woman in Australia. Her name is Danielle Dixon, and, uh, and she claims to be that the new apostolic reformation is a is an important thing a good thing and so uh, we're going to find ourselves 
over the next few weeks, probably listening to a few of these sermons. And rather than waiting to for hour number two, what we're going to do today is we're going to We'll uh, do a half hour of like the uh, what we normally do in the first hour, and then when we come back from the first break, we're going to get right into our um, sermon review from Danielle Dixon. I want you to hear what this lady has to say, and if you've spent any time in the charismatic or the narismatic n a r ismatic narismatic churches, then you are familiar. Uh, with one of their major doctrinal themes, the idea of new wineskins versus old wineskins. And over and again, that gets used by uh, pastors and preachers and teachers in the NAR and the charismatic movements to basically say, listen, what God did in the past, that's the old wineskin. But we're at the, we have the new wineskin of the Spirit kind of thing. And so, yeah, this this is like... You know, this woman is hitting on all the major themes of the uh, NAR and their false narratives and their false theology. So uh, we're going to feature her and we'll get into her into the sermon in hour number one, uh, but uh, not until after the first break. So let's talk about what we're going to do uh, during the half hour that we have ahead. Uh, we're going <laughs> to we're going to note that the <laughs> throne builders have inadvertently admitted that they're not hearing from God, and as best as I can tell, they're homeless. <laughs> I'm not making that up. We'll, we'll listen to uh, this uh, <clears throat> announcement that they made. It looks like a couple of weeks ago, and I somehow missed it. Now, it must have been busy with the PCR conference. But uh, in this uh, video, uh, it sounds to me, if I'm hearing this right, they were evicted from their home. <laughs> in Florida, and God's telling them to go on the road. And so it, 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 along with their telling of the story, they will inadvertently admit that they're not hearing the voice of God. I'll explain that. And uh, then we'll do a full-blown New Apostolic Reformation update. We're going to listen to a new fellow we've never reviewed before, and the audio quality isn't all that good. But there's a fe- if I'm not mistaken, this guy is in Southern California. His name is Ben Lim. And uh, he's a young guy in the uh, charismatic movement. Uh, yeah, NAR, New Apostolic Reformation, the so-called. You know, it apparently doesn't exist. And uh, he claims to be receiving direct revelations from God and messages from him. And he's going to be talking about the five mantles of the new breed. Now, we're not going to listen to the whole sermon because, uh, like I said, the audio quality isn't all that uh, impressive. But uh, listening to this fellow, it's, I feel like he's trying to put himself forward as a member of the new breed. And I, you know, I, this is like an impassioned plea on his part. Please, please notice me. I'm part of the new breed. Yeah, we'll explain what that is, uh, you know, when we get there. So, and then, like I said, uh, second half of hour number one, we're going to get into our sermon review. Uh, Danielle Dixon from Australia in her sermon series, New Apostolic Reformation, and the sermon itself, Old and New Wineskins. Uh, so, again, worth the listen. So, let's get to it. Uh, we're going to begin with a prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate update. So, let's do this. at an English fair, one evening I was there, when I heard a showman shouting underneath the flare, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts, 
there they are standing in a row. Big one, small one, some as big as your head. Give them a twist, a flick of the wrist, that's what the showman said. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Every ball you throw will make me rich. There stands me wife, the idol of me life, singing roller bowl a ball a penny a pitch. Singing roll a bowl a ball a penny a pitch. Singing roll a bowl a ball a penny a pitch. Roll a bowl a ball, roll a bowl a ball, singing roll a bowl a ball a penny a pitch. Yeah, that's right. I got a lovely bunch of coconuts. So we're heading over to the YouTube channel of the Throne Builders. And uh, like I said, it sounds to me like they got evicted. I'm just <laughs> reading between the lines. But uh, in their retelling of the story, of recounting of the things that are happening to them and, and what is what lies ahead for them in the days ahead, they inadvertently admit that they're not hearing from God. I'll explain it when we get there. Here are <clears throat> Tom and Krista Shirley, the throne builders. Here we go. Hey everybody, Thomas and Krista here with Throne Builders. Hi everybody, how you doing? And uh, I think they're doing good, but we can't actually hear you, so we're guessing. But uh, <laughs> we wanted to, our video is a little bit late this week, in case you didn't notice, coming out on Tuesday, because we're actually filming it on Tuesday. Why? Here's Tell the, them why, Tom. Oh, I was going to actually, oh, okay. So <laughs> why is because... Uh, we have been, uh, God has been over the last two weeks making it clear to us that it's time for us to leave the region where we are and go back on the road. Yay! And, uh, yes. What? Uh, to leave the region and go back on the road. What does that mean? But uh, <laughs> if any of you are familiar with our journey, we left September of last year. Mm -hmm. uh, left a seven-year wilderness in Idaho where we had been... What? You left a seven-year wilderness in Idaho. That's a big wilderness. It's a long one, too. Yeah. Not quite 40 years, though. Marvelously trained by God. All of our doctrine was revamped. Our mm -hmm. philosophy, approach, mindset, right. uh, heart sets, uh, mm -hmm. lots of changes. Yeah, in their seven-year Idaho wilderness, their whole theology was revamped. Yay. Took place. A lot of healing in our home mm -hmm. and healing of our bodies took place during that seven-year wilderness. And last September, we were finally able to break free mm -hmm. uh, and make a mad dash for the state of Florida, which is where God told us to come. Yeah. And uh, it was a very difficult trip, and we had a lot of uh, hardships along the way. Yes, and we did. And finally... Uh, we thought we're settling down in April of this year, right. uh, latter part of March, actually. And uh, we were excited because we thought that though we hadn't received what we didn't promise, because God mm -hmm. showed us when we came to Florida, we were going to be given a property with a farmhouse on it. Right. And the so let me see if I got this straight. You, uh, you left your seven-year wilderness in Idaho, moved to Florida because you think God told you that somebody was going to give you a property with a farmhouse on it in Florida. Okay. On that property, we were going to be able to raise free-range chickens and have other farming things, including raising crops, so that we could begin to make our impact in the food industry because this is one of the many areas that we really have a heart for. God's. So with this gifted property, you were going to do the free-range chicken thing and impact the food industry. Okay. 
food source has been corrupted through the GMOs and all the chemicals that are used to give us what we call food. And so we have the most mutated and overweight generation ever in our country right now. And it's one of the worst countries in the world for this because our American government has just accepted the lobbyists' bribes and everything. Uh, So for their own. So clearly, Tom and Krista are victims. Just saying personal temporary profit, they've really forfeited uh, generations. And so one of the things that's in our heart is to bring things back. So we knew when we got here that was going to happen, but it didn't. Mm -hmm. You knew that was going to happen. God told you that it was going to happen, but it didn't. Yeah. And see, right there, he uh, just admitted he ain't hearing from God. Now, let me explain. Now, I'm going to read this passage out in its entirety, because the last time I brought this up uh, and uh, put it out on YouTube... Uh, somebody actually challenged me and said, the Bible doesn't teach that false prophets are to be put to death. And I was actually quoting this text, and I skipped that part. So I'm going to include it so that you can see it in its entirety. But uh, we're over at Deuteronomy chapter 18, where we find one. There's not more. There are, there are more than one test uh, for a, a prophet. But we find one of the major tests for a prophet found in Deuteronomy 18. And we'll read it out in its entirety so that I don't get challenged regarding the death penalty for false prophets, at least in the theocracy of Israel in the ancient days. Uh, Deuteronomy 18.15, Yahweh your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. So this is a prophecy regarding Jesus. And the prophet, you know, like you, is Moses. So just as you desired of Yahweh your God at Horeb, on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak to them all that I command him. And so this is a prophecy regarding Christ. So whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. So yes, Deuteronomy 18 makes it very clear that the penalty for somebody giving a false prophecy in the ancient theocracy of Israel was death. This was a capital crime. So now if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that Yahweh has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of Yahweh, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that Yahweh has not spoken The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. In other words, uh, the presumptuous prophet uh, penalty gets gets put into effect. So here's the thing. Tom and Krista Shirley just said that they moved to Florida after their seven-year Idaho wilderness wandering where their whole theology was revamped, and uh, and God told them that when they got to Florida, somebody was going to give them a farm. Uh, property where they could raise free-range chickens. They would have a farmhouse on it, and that they were going to use that property to utterly change the food industry in the United States. None of that happened, and they just admitted that none of that happened, but they claimed that God told them that. And so by doing so, Tom and Krista Shirley have just admitted 
that they are false prophets. That's right. Tom being a false prophet, Krista being a false prophetess. So you get the idea. They're not hearing from God. These people just admitted it. But this is such an interesting video. I'll back it up just a little bit so that we can hear a little bit more of this again as they regale us with this very interesting odyssey of theirs. Because our American government has just accepted the lobbyists' bribes and everything. Uh, So for their own personal temporary profit, they've really forfeited uh, generations. And so one of the things that's in our heart is to bring things back. So we knew when we got here that was going to happen, but it didn't. Instead, we were on a, you know, here and here and here. Ten months, an off and on trip. It was crazy. I mean, we saw amazing provision. We saw God do miracles. um, But it was not easy. And uh, so... We're going to tell you about how just really it started, I think, in May, right right before you went to Africa. So uh, we finally just settled for this house. And in Mm -hmm. settling for this house, we settled for much less than what we had been told. And we figured, well, it's a 12-month lease, so God must want us here for a year. And we'll just keep building our online presence and try to... Yeah, why don't you go with the obvious? God didn't tell you this. You ain't hearing from God connect with people in the community and see if something comes from it. There's been a deadness in this area and to the house and the location, the neighborhood, Mm -hmm. because none of it is where we belong. And in the process of this being in this house, the finances have shut down and the anointing has, has, you know, just kind of come to a bit of a halt. Yeah. The finances have shut down. Yeah. In other words, they're not able to pay their bills but not like it was. Right. And as we really began to seek God, he revealed some witchcraft strategies used against us by the Christian covens that we've mentioned. <laughs> oh, no. They're the victims of witchcraft strategies. You see, they're, they're total victims here. I mean, they're just wanting to do the work of the Lord and follow his voice. And, uh, and, and so they're... They they experience witchcraft strategies by Christian covens. Yeah, let me back that up so you can hear that again. Kind of come to a bit of a halt. It's still flowing, but not like it was. Right. And as we really began to seek God, he revealed some witchcraft strategies used against us by the Christian covens that we've mentioned. Right. And also by some people in Africa that had decided to curse us because we weren't giving them a bunch of money. Yep. Uh, And some nameless Africans cursed you, too, because you refused to give them money. Boy, this is quite the story. Yeah, yeah. So we, as God exposed these, we broke those things off, and then the clarity began to come. Mm-hmm. This door is closed for you here. Get right. ready to go back on the road. Because why? The flow because is in the go. That's right. Let's try that again. The, the flow is in the go. All I can think about is their number two video. Just saying. Flow. Is in the go. And uh, so. That uh, wasn't very smooth. It was not smooth at all, but we'll just have to be smooth another time. So I just, I just really quick want to encourage all you guys out there on YouTube land that, um, you know, a lot of you have been called to a life of travel, a life that seems very odd and strange and like, like us. We've had to step out so many times, sporadically sell everything. We- yeah. Life of travel. We've had to do this a lot. In other words, Tom can't hold down a job and. So we're we get on the road and we engage in con men you know tactics in order to put food on the table. 
phone, you know, and over hit, the last 12 years, over the last 12 years, it's been again and again. a wild ride for us. Mm. We've seen many miracles. We have seen people come out of nowhere. I mean, we broke down people have given us vehicles. We've had people throw money in our windows on the highway. We've had people throw bottles of water in our car when we were, you know, stranded. We have had all kinds of weird, crazy things going on, but you know, we know that God has told us to go again on the road and it, and it is, yes, it's not an easy road for any of us, but if, so they're homeless because God told them to go on the road. No, God didn't tell you to do any of that. Yeah, let me let me give you some biblical advice, Tom. And uh, this is from the uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter four, which is a chapter we go to to find clear instruction from God, the voice of God, inscripturated in the Bible to tell us what good works are as Christians. And uh, I could give you no better word from God than this word. Uh, Ephesians 4.25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, which I strongly recommend that you do, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your anger, give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. In other words, Tom, it's time for you to put away the charade and actually go and find a real job to really care for your real wife and your real daughter at this point. I think your son is old enough to do his own thing. And quit blaming your drift, you know, your drifting on God the Holy Spirit, because God the Holy Spirit has made it very clear that the good works we do are in our vocation. So get a real job working with your real hands and stop chasing after these winds of the Spirit, because God clearly, you just inadvertently admitted it, isn't talking to you. These are all delusions of your own mind, or they are intentional deceptions on your part. Either way, it's not good for you. So repent of this nonsense. You're not a prophet. You're not hearing from God. And God has not told you to go on the road again. God has told you in his word to get a job. Moving along. Jeffrey, what do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. The Pinky and the Brain. Yes, Pinky and the Brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. The laboratory mice, the genes have been sliced. They're Pinky, they're Pinky and the Brain, 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 Brain. Before each night is done, their plan will be unfurled. By the dawning of the sun, they'll take over the world. They're Pinky and the Brain, yes, Pinky and the Brain. Their twilight campaign is easy to explain. To prove their mousy worth, they'll overthrow the earth. They're Pinky, they're Pinky and the Brain, 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 Brain. All right, so we're heading over to the YouTube channel of a fellow by the name of Ben Lim. 
He is a young upstart in the uh, charismatic circles, and uh, he claims to have received a direct download from God the Holy Spirit regarding the five mantles of the new breed. And if you've heard of the new breed or Joel's army or this coming generation of young kids who are going to be able to operate in the supernatural as naturally as, well, people breathe and frogs jump, then, uh, yeah, that's an NAR doctrine. Yes, it is. And so uh, the new breed, by the way, uh, serve a vital role in the at least the eschatology of the NAR, which they believe there's a billion souls harvest coming, and that billion souls revival harvest that's going to hit the planet is going to be led by the young folks, the Joel's army types, the new breed, uh, and their demonstration of the miraculous will be the thing that leads to this billion souls harvest right before the return of Christ. So uh, without any further ado, here is... Ben Lim, as he explains the five mantles of the new breed. Here we go. Tonight, I, I felt like the Lord told me that like, he gave me this download as I was taking a shower. Right? <laughs> so God gave you a download while you were in the shower. You know, Perry Noble gets those too. He gave me this download, and he said, the five mantles of the new breed. You know, last year, when we entered into these 21 days of revival, the Lord started speaking to me about the new breed. Right? I'm sure you remember that, Sherry, right? And and I wrote a whole book about it. I wrote a whole book about it called The New Breed. I didn't release it yet because uh, now I'm trying to get professionally published and, you know, become mainstream. There. It's all but yeah, yes, yes. So, uh, <laughs> but the, uh, the New Breed, so the Lord gave me this download about the five mantles of the New Breed. Can I get an amen? Are you guys ready for this? The five mantles. I'm believing that starting tonight for the next four days, these five days of glory, open heavens, God's going to release these five mantles over us. Okay. All right, so he got this download while in the shower. God told him, he announced it as the five mantles of the new breed. And over the next four days, uh, God's going to open these things over them. Okay. The new breed generation. Now, first of all, I want to distinguish what is the difference between an anointing and a mantle. An anointing is a river that flows out of you. Uh-huh. An anointing is a river that flows out of you. You have a biblical text that backs this up. You'll note that uh, he doesn't appear to be uh, actually preaching a biblical text, and nobody seems to be challenging him. I mean, after all, he seems to be a, a prime candidate for be, to be a member of the new breed, which means he operates in the miraculous. So why head back to the dusty Bible? We need these fresh revelations, you know. Anointing is a gifting that flows out of you, but a mantle is something that you wear. A mantle is something that you mature into, and it becomes a multiplier on your life. So a mantle is something you wear. Again, do you have a biblical text that teaches this? I'd like to see that. People, they flow in the realm of anointing, but they don't flow in the realm of authority. Because a mantle, when you wear it, it becomes a badge of honor. When you wear a mantle, it becomes a badge of honor, and you wear it because you're walking in authority. No longer are you just walking in an anointing, but you are walking in an authority. Can I get an amen? Right, so it's not just an anointing anymore. Now you're walking in an authority. Right. And he says, can I get an amen? I don't know why anyone would amen this, because there's no biblical text that says any of that. God is switching us and changing us where we're no longer just moving in the anointing. Listen, anybody, do you hear me? 
Anybody can move in the anointing. When the river- Anybody can do that, yeah. Oh, but this uh, this mantle stuff, whew, that's for the super-de-duper glow-in-the-dark special people. Float the river, float. Anybody, can you start the river? Hello, can you start the river? Oh, yeah, see, there you go. There's the, there's the test. See, not, Anybody can flow in a river, but can you start it? Yeah, only mantle people can do that. Now, river, like I was with Tim at Ginger, Ginger, Uganda. The Jinja is the source of the Nile River of Africa. Can you start the river? And I'm here to tell you that God is raising up sons and daughters. God's raising up a new breed who will walk in the realm of authority where no longer you will just have an anointing, but you will wear a mantle. Can I get an amen? So the new breed, they, they won't be just anointed. They'll be mantled. Yeah, they can start rivers and stuff. So Jesus, I receive all of your mantles. I'm going to shout amen. Shout hallelujah, amen. So Jesus, we accept all of your mantles. Yeah. Okay, yeah, the Bible doesn't teach any of this either. The five mantles of the new breed. Now, I'm only giving the next five days, and I actually wrote out seven, but I'm only giving you five. Because when I write the book, then you buy it. <laughs> yeah, he wrote this down. They need you to buy his book before you can learn what these all are, you know. Bam, bam, bam. Hey, I'm just being four. <laughs> <I'm honest. laughs> Five mantles. Hey, hey, what's the <laughs> Five mantles of the new one. You guys ready? All right. <laughs> Number one, the break anointing. Say the break anointing, all right? Now, I love Lindy Ann Hopley because she talks about she carries the break anointing, and I know she does. I know. So the breaker anointing? I, it was a little tough to hear. I'm not sure exactly what he said. Does. Uh, I know my friend here does. I know Tony and Ellie do. Who here wants the breaker anointing? Woo! So the breaker anointing is part of the five mantles of the new breed, so you need the breaker thingy. Yes, theology's broken, so I would argue he's right on track there. Amen. So let, let, me, let me just discern. I, I, I've been telling Sherry, I feel like there's been a teaching gift uh, that's been resting on me for the past two weeks. I, I, yeah, a teaching gift that's resting on him for two weeks. Yeah, that's impressive stuff right there. not just preaching, but I'm teaching, okay? I got all these... Yeah, he's not just preaching. He's teaching, man. Yeah. Scriptures. I can give you guys the notes and stuff like that. But number one, the breaker anointing. Somebody who moves into breaker anointing knows how to shift the atmosphere. Do you... See- <laughs> So if you have the breaker anointing, that's one of the mantles of the new breed. And you're able to shift atmospheres and stuff. Yeah. Um, wow. This sounds like, you know, a, a rare artifact that you find in a video game or something. Uh, you open up a chest and there it is, the breaker anointing. And now you can shift atmospheres. Did Zeus and Athena operate with this? What we did right there. Flags and all that stuff. Listen, listen. The breaker anointing is more than just an individual ministry. It becomes regional. Mm. When you move in a breaker anointing, yeah, you could give single words of knowledge. You could give single words of prophecy. Does anybody hear me right now? You could give single words of impartation. But all of a sudden, it breaks out into a whole region coming under the power of God. So when- Right. So then, you know, that breaker anointing thingy goes regional and stuff. Whew, there's no stopping it. There's... Atmospheric changes all over a region and stuff. <clears throat> yeah, this is straight up mythology. I, I think you get the point. And, um, you know, the reason I say that and bring that up is because, well, yeah, the uh, people in the NAR are um, really, let's just put it this way, really strong on mythology. They are really thin on actual biblical doctrine. And that's the point. 
Okay, we are up on our uh, first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there at pirate Christian. Quick break when we come back. Sermon review. I know it starts in the first hour. The name of the sermon, uh, New Apostolic Reformation, Old and New Wineskins. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Peter, James, John, and Paul are all dead. That means there are no living apostles in the church today. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. I've had enough of this sissy, pansy, turning photo written music you have the audacity to call worship. Men, put this entire girly praise band in the boo box. Let's wheel in the organ and get some real worship music underway. Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio. presents Church Day Select. Thank you for calling John the Vindicta Board. How can I help you today, sir or ma'am? Ah, so you're having trouble with your copy of the Grimoire of Modern Prayer. That is very unfortunate. Can I please ask for your name first? Ah, your name is Pete Billingham. Well, Mr. Billingham, this is Bob from Connecticut. I would be most pleased to assist you in any way that I can. You are very welcome, sir. Now, what is it about the Grimoire of Modern Prayer that troubles you so? I see. It seems you have opened a black hole in your living room and wish to have it removed. I am dreadfully sorry, but I am not qualified to help in such matters. I will have to transfer you over to my supervisor. Please do not bring my mother into this. I am transferring you now. Hello, and thank you for calling Zonima Dexaport. How can I help you today, sir? No I do not know what you mean, sir. My assistant and I are not the same person. I am Jim, Jimmy Jim Jim, Jimmy Jim Jim, from Rancho Cucamonga. I am sorry, sir, but I cannot understand you over the screaming. Did you just say bird in num-nums? Or that your cat was just sucked into the black hole? So very sorry about the little kitty cat. Now, there is something you can try. You can take a piece of pie and throw it into the black hole. I swear to you, it makes complete sense. You see, the black hole is feeding right now, and you need to trick it into thinking that it is full. Be sure not to give it pumpkin. That will only make it more angry.
Okay, that didn't work. You have one more chance before we use the emergency destruct procedures. Make yourself a non-fat decaf mocha with no whipped cream, seven pumps of chocolate, and skim milk. I know. Why bother? Now, I want you to throw it into the black hole as well. Well, I guess it didn't work either. Maybe we should have used 2%. Please stay calm, sir. You now only have one of two options. Close the book and burn it, or close the book and throw it into the black hole. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Oi, Captain! We got ourselves a heretic! And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich! And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box? No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. <laughs> to err is to heretic. To R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Uh, 
Uh, warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that Tom and Krista Shirley are not hearing from God and that uh, the breaker anointing that changes atmosphere is not one of the seven mantles of the new breed. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. And you can partner with us. It is a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our three friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew, and rank is based upon your monthly commitment. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's Mate at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month, and then Quartermaster, $99.95 a month. Joining our crew is a great way to support us. Of course, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution, click on the Donate button. If you'd like to become a patron on Patreon, click on the Become a Patron button. And, of course, if you'd like to support us the traditional way, you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly, honestly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, moving along, we will be uh, doing our uh, sermon review update music to launch into the sermon that we're going to start in hour number one. So let's get to it. Hey, ho. The good, the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to us via Danielle Dixon Ministries. The name of the sermon is New Apostolic Reformation Old and New Wineskins. Now we're going to note here we have a lady who clearly hasn't gotten the memo that uh, the New Apostolic Reformation is a so-called New Apostolic Reformation. She thinks this thing's legit. And, of course, she's on the inside of it. And we're going to note how she's using Scripture because this idea of old versus new wineskins is one of the major false narratives of charismatic and narismatic churches. Yeah, God used to do things in churches a particular way, but that was the old wineskin. And now there's a new wineskin, the new move of the spirit the new things god wants to do can't operate and function in the old wineskin so we got to break free from them that's literally the uh, type of language that she'll be engaging in so without any further ado here's danielle dixon and new apostolic reformation old and new wineskins last week so for three Thank you. So this morning, we're going to go on from last week. So for three weeks, um, last week, this week, and next week, I'm talking about New Apostolic Reformation, but in different areas. Next week, we'll be talking about the vision of, of ARC and this region and how that fits into the New Apostolic Reformation. So today, we are talking about the new wineskin. So Jesus mentioned the new wineskin, and we know here in Matthew 9.17, he said, Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, 
and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. So this is a scripture that everyone knows this scripture, right? But everyone maybe has heard in the last 10 years, people talk about the church is a new wine church or we need a new wineskin. Okay, now I got to give her props for just being straight up candid and not trying to hide the narrative or the doctrines of people in the NAR. Now, real quick, let's take a look at that uh, text from Matthew chapter 9 so we can see what's going on in it. Matthew chapter 9, remember the three rules for sound biblical exegesis are context, context, and context. And so we'll start at verse 14, which will give us the context. So the disciples of John came to uh, Jesus saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples, they don't fast? (laughs) Which is, you know, kind of sticking out like a sore thumb. Here we are denying ourselves, afflicting our bodies with fasting and you know, and it's not just the Pharisees that are engaging in fasting, but John the John the Baptist disciples are also engaging in fasting. And uh, how come your disciples, Jesus, don't do that? And so, you know, they're noting one of these things is not like the other. So Jesus said to them, "Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them?" He's basically saying this is not appropriate. You know, you know the. the the fasting would be inappropriate because I'm present. You know, that's kind of the point. So the days will come, though, when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the sky, the skins will burst And the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. This is an answer to the question, why don't your disciples fast? Which Jews did, you know, with some regularity and were required to do at least once a year. And so you'll note the fact that Jesus' disciples aren't fasting is basically saying it's not appropriate to do so would be inappropriate. That's the point of him using the new wineskin, old wineskin metaphor there. It's almost like a parable, if you would, how Jesus answers the question. And so what people in the NAR and the charismatic movement do is they'll sit there and say, God wants to do a new thing. We are a new wineskin church. We're not of the old wineskin. We're of the new And you'll note then that by twisting this scripture like this, this idea that, you know, God has new wineskin churches, this is a vital part of the false narrative that is part of the NAR. So you don't want to be part of an old wineskin church, do you? You don't want to be doing the leftovers. You don't want to be eating meatloaf from last week, do you? No, no, God's got some fresh new wine stuff that he's apparently doing and uh, and so in order to be a part of the fresh new wine thing that God is doing, you got to be part of a new wineskin church. Yep, false narrative here, full-blown. So basically what we're going to talk about today, what does that really mean? So before we do, pray for me. Amen. <laughs> Father, we just thank you. 
For Lord, I thank you that this message will be simplistic. But Lord, it will touch, Father, the areas that you want to touch in our lives. Because you are about changing our hearts and changing our minds. So we open ourselves up to you this morning. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you come and teach your church. That you are the teacher of the church. The spirit of truth. We just welcome you here this morning and we release you this morning in Jesus' name. So, you know, sometimes you go and you hear someone preaching, oh, that preacher was awesome. Actually, it's basically has nothing to do with the preacher. It has everything to do with how much you want to hear. It has everything to do with you drawing the gift of God out on the person's life. Amen? So what? Really, do you have a biblical text that says that? Happened, mostly. This is what's happened. So when Jesus was talking about that in Matthew 9, he was talking about the old and the new covenant. That is true. The old wines. That's not exactly what he was talking about. In uh, Matthew chapter 9, he was answering the question, why don't your uh, disciples fast? Uh Uh-huh. Wine skin. We know after John the Baptist, he lost his head, and we know that it's, it's said theologically that then there became a new way of thinking under the new covenant. But you will hear about new and old wineskins all the way through history. It's, it wasn't just, although Jesus was using the parable at that time of the new and the old covenant, you will hear about new and old wineskins all the way through history. And what happens is, is a wineskin is something that God is... Give me an example of uh, hearing this new old wineskin thing throughout all of history. I, I'd like to, can you show me some historical examples of that? Preparing to pour himself out into... Amen. That's why it said in that scripture, you can't pour new wine into an old wineskin. So we know that every time God prepared a place in history, if you've followed any of the revivals, you'll see that God started a big outpouring. He started to change the hearts and minds of the people. And then what generally happened is someone would come along, which was not God's plan, and make a denomination or make a structure, or bring it into administration. and that's- So God apparently is totally opposed to, you know, organize, organizational structure. Yeah, as soon as you do that, you know, oh man, that's old wineskin stuff. And the spirit just gets totally shut down. Uh-huh. Do you have a biblical text that says that? Because Matthew 9 does not say that isn't what God actually was requiring. And what happens when that happens, all of the new wine runs out of the old wineskin. <laughs> nope. And, and listen, when I was in the latter rain, this was a major theme of the preaching and teaching in the latter rain, the importance of being part of the new wineskin so that you can experience the new wine of the Spirit. Amen. So I want to really explain today, you know, what God is looking for. He's not looking for a building or a denomination. We're the new wineskin. It's not a church building. We are the new wineskin. You are the new wineskin. Amen. It's well, you know, it's, it's what. Why should I believe that y'all are part of a new wineskin? Just because you say so? We, what God is willing, you know, it, for us, what we are willing to change in our thinking. And there, and it, to line up with heaven's mandate, who knows it, it causes a change of thought. 
He feels to, to line up with heaven's mandate. What is heaven's mandate that I need to line up with? You'll notice a lot of the NAR code talk in here. Just assumed. And nobody's challenging anything that she's saying. Like they've changed in the last five years dramatically about the way you think about Christianity, how you think that God loves us, you know, his relationship with us, that we're not under all the rules and the regulations that we thought that we were under. Hallelujah. We were crushing ourselves. We were like the Pharisees when they said, you can't do any of this yourself, but you're putting a millstone around the neck of the people wanting them to do it. Amen. And we've, we've, we are, we've stepped into a new wineskin and we have to be very, very careful that we don't, um, go back and try and make that some kind of an administration. What would that look like? Or try and fabricate things. You know, I'm going to talk a little bit about apostolic people, which we talked a little bit about last week. Just because you play Bethel music, okay, and you pray for people on the street doesn't mean you are an apostolic person. We're going to really have a look at that at what it means. So I thought sometimes a good way of looking at things new and old is to actually write down a few. This isn't all of them. This isn't an exhaustive list or anything. But let's just have a quick look. An old wineskin would be focusing on the people in the church. But the new wineskin focuses on the kingdom of God. Amen. Hallelujah. The um, destination. So apparently old wineskin focuses in on the church. New wineskin focuses on the kingdom. No biblical text teaches any of that, but this is all indoctrination into the basic tenets of the NAR. It was always about building the church, but launch it's a launching pad for your destiny. Now, what does that mean? That- yeah, what exactly does that mean that uh, uh, a new wineskin church is a launching pad for my density? You're supposed to be um, connected to a body, a family of people where you grow and you change and through that you're able to do what you're called to do. doesn't mean it has to be inside these four walls. It could be something in business. It could be something in all of those seven, you know, societal spheres that we talked about last week. That's the seven mountains. Notice we have an open NAR sermon. The name of the sermon, New Apostolic Reformation. This woman, Danielle Dixon, is openly, you know, claiming to be a prophet in on her website in the About Me section. It literally says, Danielle Dixon is an Australian prophet who presently resides in Cairns, uh, Queensland, with her husband of 28 years. And so she claims to be a prophetess, and she's regularly featured on the Elijah List. And here she's preaching about the New Apostolic Reformation, openly talking about it. And it's clear that, you know, this is just exactly, you know, all the stuff that she's spewing, none of it's biblical. But man, this is educational, to say the least. If you want to understand the NAR, she's openly preaching and teaching about it. Ministry done in the church. Well, in the new wineskin ministry is done in church and the community, wherever you are. Amen. God is looking for marketplace people, marketplace evangelists. Yeah, marketplace people. And, and part of the big deal of the NAR is the seven mountain mandate of seven spheres. Uh-huh. Marketplace prophets. Amen. Hallelujah. The main, uh, one of the main things is building the church. How about building relationships and establishing the kingdom becomes paramount in a new wine scheme. You know, 
songs that we used to sing. What did we used to sing in the 90s? Oh my gosh. Try and remember a song from the 90s. I can't think of one right now, but it was all about us, wasn't it? That we could overcome and we've, and there's nothing wrong with those songs, amen. But you'll find that in the new wineskin, it's more about the father, his great love for us, how he won the battle for us. You know, he desires a relationship with us, how he'll leave the, the, you know, he will leave the 99 to go after the one. Amen. Over and over again, we hear that that kind of language within the new wineskin, the pastor and leadership performed all the ministry in the past. And now it's like, isn't it awesome to think you are empowered You can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, amen. You can pray for debt cancellation. You can declare and decree things over your life, amen. Relationship was only within the walls. Yeah, where in scripture does it say that we can declare and decree things over our life? I'd like to see that. We continue. Now it's it's outside of the church, amen. We, we talk about the old wineskin was training leaders, but now it's reproducing sons and daughters, reproducing sons and daughters so that they know how to live as a family so that they can teach other people to live as a family. Amen. Most of our messages in the old wineskin were about people changing to suit God. Oh my gosh. That was such a burden. Had to change 84 things before God accepted you. 400 sermons on how to fast, how to pray, how to do this, how to submit, how to do. And we were all just feeling crushed under the weight of it. But now the messages are. If that, if the old wineskin was from God, are you saying that God was the one who sanctioned that old wineskin? Because at some point that old wineskin had to have been a new wineskin, right? Notice that this is totally inconsistent theologically. Especially about openness with, you know, how we're one with God. Amen. Acceptance, empowering grace that he's um, given us. Isn't it just such a beautiful um, thing that God's doing in the new wineskin, except we really don't want We don't want the new wineskin to be bought into a structure. We don't want it to be bought into an administration, a new denomination. That's why you'll find a lot of apostolic people don't come under denominations, and it's not that they're not yielding. They'll come. Yeah, it's because they don't want any accountability for their false prophecies and false doctrine. Under apostolic networks where people are in relationship with one another. I tell you what, there's, there's no better way to grow the body of Christ and the kingdom of God in the earth than being in relationship with other people. Amen. We said last week that rep, when we talk about an apostolic reformation, reformation wasn't, which means to, to reform something, to change something, but you don't just change for the sake of change. We, you know, people just, just get together. For the sake of change, it was a realignment of people's hearts to match heaven's mandate for the church. This is the real mandate for the church, amen, as that we would be Christians 24-7. (laughs) Yeah, um, I can't think of a single hour during the day when I'm not a Christian. What are you talking about? Just when we're here for a couple of hours on a Sunday, amen. That we would, that we would, we would actually show forth the love of Jesus all the time, not just with our brothers and sisters. Amen. You know, sometimes showing forth the love of Jesus is going and praying. Again, note, 
apparently we're done with the Bible at this point. She's just spewing whatever she thinks God is doing off the top of her head. I mean, she is a prophetess after all. So why would we need to hear from the Bible? I mean, we get this fresh stuff, you know, that right hot off the press, you know. For someone, seeing someone on the street and feeding them, doing something, amen. Just That's what he said that the church is, didn't he? Just being kind. How about the word of God says, be kind to one another, amen? He said that the world will know us because of the love that we have one for another. How sad the way the church has been, amen, isn't it? He said that we, you know, people would know us for the love that we have one to another, amen? Hallelujah. And I don't think that just meant in this little group of people. I think that means wherever you work, wherever you go, whoever you influence, wherever you go to the supermarket, wherever you buy your fruit and vegetables, I don't know, whatever. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Last week we talked about um, the ecclesia and we talked about it as being a governing body and the church it being called to be a governing body. And that's where we bought in that term, apostolic people. You know, when we talk about a new wineskin, we talk about apostolic people. And really all that means is is people that are not insular. It actually means like to have a world view of things. To have an apostolic view of things means to, that you have an oversight of uh, of things and not just thinking it's all about me. It's all about, you know, what I can do in this little group of people. Actually, God is continually pushing us, you know, further. That's why we opened up our doors to the gathering. You know, that's why we've had conferences. That's why we have events. That's why we have different people, you know, entwined in our lives and um, involved in our lives and our ministry because there is, a, there is um, the Word of God says that there's safety in a multitude of counselors, but also it talks, we talked last week, unless the actual fivefold ministry is operating, you know, within a a church, it's very difficult to see nations transformed, regions transformed, anything. Know what she just said. You have to see the fivefold ministry really in operation within a church if you want to see nations transformed. Now, I'm going to note this, and that is is that um, Patricia King, who's part of the NAR, we did a segment uh, last week where you know, it, it, back in 20, you know, 2008, you know, t- uh, 2008, she was openly talking about the fact that uh, that God was about ready to restore apostles to the earth. So note this, that if I were to buy into Danielle Dixon's beliefs that, you know, without the fivefold ministry in operation, that is modern apostles and prophets today, that God can't transform nations, we must come to the conclusion that no nations had ever been transformed on planet Earth after the death of the apostles and prior to the reestablishing and the restoration of the apostles uh, in, uh, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. If our, our local area transformed without that, because we talked about it last week, that it's absolutely impossible for us to see one person as a pastor transform something. Isn't that true? I mean, what are you talking about? It's Christ that transforms. N- yeah, not pastors. Uh huh. As Paul said, one plants, another waters. 
It's God who gives the increase. You don't, obviously things started, people were questioning things about reforming at the turn of this century, around 2000, it started in the 90s really. And I really believe that's because they were looking at all of the church structures and thinking, where is the power for transformation? Where's the power? If, uh, yeah, wouldn't that lie in Christ? Uh-huh. You know, you know how d- this is really simple, but it's so powerful. If you don't have the whole city praying in, for the same thing and on that same page, how are you going to see transformation? Since when does it require an entire city praying in order for transformation to occur? Scripture says the prayer of a righteous man, singular, availeth much. That's what Scripture says. If, if we're only going to be Christians in here, undercover brothers when we're at work, or undercover brothers when we're out there, and we don't let anyone know, you know, that's who we are. You know, we have to let people know that Christians are not perfect, and I reckon we could all do a good job of that one. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Christians are just normal people. It's really important for us not to be using all Christianese. And didn't you notice that with the new wineskin, there's not so much of that Christianese being used that no one else can understand but people that have been in God for 50 years or something. Hallelujah. And even them are like, what? (laughs) But it's just, you know, Christians make mistakes. Uh, No, they sin. Christians really do make mistakes. I know that's hard for us all to want to believe. Christians have weaknesses. Christians have problems. Yeah, Christians still have a sinful nature. And that's okay. You know, God isn't looking down, and that's something that that we know in that's really you know talked about in the new wineskin. He's not looking down an angry God. God isn't angry. Yeah, so apparently God, there's no wrath in God anymore. So the new wineskin got rid of that old wrath of God stuff. Now we're changing the truth of Scripture. Uh Uh-huh. Amen. He's not angry with us. He's not trying to get you up to a higher standard. We might want to improve our own life or whatever, but that's not the plan of God. He's about changing hearts, not behaviors. Amen. He's trying to change our heart. You know, when your heart's changed, your behavior changes. I was doing something really bad the other day. I know it's really hard for you. To- if God is all about changing hearts and not behaviors, and that, that change of behavior thing was part of the old wineskin, which at some point was a new wineskin, why would God so futilely have a new wineskin that focused on changing behaviors rather than hearts? You see, this doesn't make any sense. But I was. It was for me anyway. I was felt like I knew I was being really disobedient. Like I knew what the Lord was saying, but I was determined to do. You know, we all do it. Like I just had something in my mind and I felt it was really bad anyway. And then right in the midst of that, right in the midst of me being disobedient, um, I felt that the Lord just started, I could hear the Holy Spirit started singing on the inside of me this beautiful song. And I was that overwhelmed because I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm so bad right at this minute. And you are singing that song. Um, 
Oh, what's it called? And So Will I. Is that the name of it? It's a Hillsong song. I love that song. And I just heard that song so clearly. And I- So you heard the Holy Spirit singing a Hillsong song while you were engaging in sin. Got it. I was thinking, how can you just be like singing to me, singing over me, really? That's what it felt like, singing over me. And there I am, totally disobedient to what you're saying. You know what? It's not about our behavior. Amen? Amen. Yeah, the problem is is that when we sin, we sin in thought, we sin in deed, we sin by the things we don't do, and we sin by the things we do do. So, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so behavior oftentimes comes into play when it comes to sin. Uh-huh. For instance, the command, thou shalt not commit adultery, there's people who actually physically commit adultery, you know, and then thou shalt not steal. There, there are people who literally filch stuff while they're at Walmart and things, you know, um, and that is an actual physical behavior they engage in. He's changing hearts, not behaviors. You know, those things fall away when our hearts are changed. I tell you what, it impacted me. I felt really sad yesterday because every time I thought about it, I don't feel like he tried to condemn me at all. It was just like something that happened in my heart when I just realized, you know, we always preach about that goodness of God, but that was blatant disobedience, okay? (laughs) I'm not going to tell you what it was. So blatant disobedience, that would be sin. I'm pretty sure that's what that is. (laughs) <laughs> we all do it. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So we're being called in the power uh, of the church, of the ecclesia, to be a governing body. Amen. To govern, to rule the kingdom of God's on the inside of us. Wherever we go, we... So the church is going to be a governing body without any administrators. Okay, this makes no sense. Rule and reign in that place, amen? So a new wineskin doesn't mean reorganization. Um, it's an entirely new way of being a church and advancing the kingdom of God. Why? What did we just say? We are the wineskin. It's a new way of thinking. It's a new way of thinking. It's a new way. How about this? If you don't know that God loves you when you're disobedient, how are you going to minister to the world that's living in disobedience? Amen? Yeah, I would minister to the world that's living in disobedience by calling them to repent, to confess their sins, and to be forgiven. Yeah, First John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Repenting, confessing, being forgiven, bearing fruit in keeping with repentance has been the way in which sin has been dealt with for the entire history of the church. Why would God change it up with the new wineskin thingy and expect us to kind of figure out what the new thing is and just jettison the thing that he did and you know and told us to be preaching and teaching in scripture that doesn't make any sense it's a new way of thinking that's how the kingdom of god is expanded when we get hold of a new way of thinking 
He's changing our hearts in the new wineskin. Because actually when it, when we talk about a new and old wineskin, it's actually a new heart. He said, I'm going to take out the heart of stone, didn't he? And give you a heart of flesh. Which is a description of being regenerated and brought to saving faith in Christ. And he gave that, he gave that call in Ezekiel by the prophet. But then it was, it's actually talked about a couple of times, but then it was talked about in Hebrews 8. And he said, now I'm not going to write anything on tablets anymore. I'm going to write it on your heart. Amen. He's going to change our hearts. And that's all about more than anything. I want you to know today that that's all about the new wineskin. It's you. You're the new wineskin. You're the one that God wants to pour out. When we get everyone being... Yeah, just because you've twisted Matthew 9 doesn't mean that God has made me into a new wineskin or anybody else. This woman is just spewing doctrines off the top of her head with no biblical basis for saying any of the things she's saying. Wineskin, we will see God's presence fill the earth. His glory cover the earth like the waters, the seas. I'm absolutely, uh, you know, hanging out with lots of apostolic, prophetic type people, talking to people often, other leaderships in other parts of the nation. I'm, I'm really, I'm really starting to believe that this actually has more to do with renewal in Australia and transformation than actually just the presence of God coming down, zap, bang, you fix, whatever. It's, it's actually that change of heart, the preparation. He's looking for a tabernacle. Amen. He's looking to pour himself out into new wineskins. The new wineskin anointing equips us. You know, it equips us for life. Like if you're, if you're, so, um, if you're, so the new wineskin anointing now, now with this has been elevated to anointing status, the new wineskin anointing, it's good for life. Well, how do I know that God's not going to change up the wineskin, you know, during my lifetime? I mean, apparently he's done it before. I mean, why should I think he's not going to do it again? part of any ministry you you get their mantle if you're part of this ministry the mantle we're going to talk about that next week in the mission and the vision the mantle is to set the captives free so you'll find that no matter what you're doing you will have that anointing upon your life whether it be singing whether it be working in the restaurant like pastor james amen whether you're doing something um you know whether you're doing something in an office whether you're doing something in community amen You'll have that upon your life. I really believe that, you know, a lot of the body of Christ is starting to get their heads, you know, around, around the whole concept of the new wineskin. And we hear about that paradigm shift. I talked a little bit about, I talked a little bit about it last week. And I said, it's not just, it's not just a mind change. That's the fruit of it. It's actually a culture change. It's a change of heart. It's a change of structure. It's a change of language. And you know what's so awesome about ARC, really? We didn't read any books on it. We didn't get any great advice from anyone. We organically started to fall into it like three, five years ago, really. Three years we just started. So they just organically fell into this new thing. Wow, that's great to realize this isn't working the way it is. People need to get set free. Amen. 
They need not to be under the burden of thinking they've got to work in the church. They need their families to be restored. They need to start their businesses. They need to do whatever it is that God is calling them to do. Amen. Amen. Bringing that freedom. So we know that sometimes we hear what something is and we want to fit into that mold. And as I said, just because you play Bethel music in your car doesn't make you an apostolic person. And just because you watch Todd White and pray for everyone in the supermarket doesn't necessarily make you an apostolic person. So I could tell you all the things that apostles do. We, we learnt last week, the church is built on the apostles and prophets, didn't we, from scripture. So we know the word of God said they show signs and wonders. We know they go to the nations. We know they're governing. We know it's a military term. We know all of those things. But when I really was seeking the Lord and praise God, because I love that guy, John Alley. I hadn't heard of him for years. Susie gave us a couple of CDs last week. It was perfect timing because I remember going to the church with my mother what 20 years ago and listening to him preach on the apostolic. And what I loved in Rockhampton, this was, and what I loved when I was really seeking it, I thought, well, what is really an apostolic people? Because what if you're not going to the one going to the nations? And what if you're the, not the world changer? And what, you know, what if you're a stay at home mom, you know, but just killing it in the area of motherhood? Amen. You know, what if you can be an apostolic mom if you want? Amen. And then I realized that, you know, yes, it is someone that has a worldview, but it's also apostolic people are teachable. Apostolic people are transparent. They value unity. They value family. They value unity in their community, not just in their little us for and no more. Amen. They value, they, I can't say that because we've got more than four. Amen. Well, I have one heart and one, and one mind when it comes to God's mandate. So I realized that it wasn't so much about what you could do as an apostolic person, because we hear a lot about that. There's a lot of books written about that. But what about what we are, what we should be, you know, what we should be? Because I know that the further I go into the new wineskin, I, I put more emphasis on family now than I ever have, amen? I have more value for unity within my community and within other churches, pastors in this nation, not just in this region, um, just on being transparent, valuing community, valuing people's lives, valuing everyone within the community. I once heard someone speak years ago, and it impacted me so much, that a community is only strong as its weakest group of people. Isn't that true? And how well we just, you know, sometimes we just dismiss things and dismiss people as if they're no value, what, because they're too old or they haven't, you know, got this or they haven't got that. And you can just put things aside. Whereas I feel like that isn't valuing a family, amen. You need every group of family, whether it be a mother, a father, sons, daughters, grandparents, uncles, aunties, to be a functional family. Isn't that true? Isn't that why society is dysfunctional? Because we don't have that. We don't have those support systems. Yeah. Have you noticed that the term apostolic seems to have lost its entire meaning in this sermon? Yeah, I have no idea what it means anymore listening to her. The church is supposed to be the one that's emanating, you know, what is it that a family really is? 
So I really felt that when the Lord was um, showing me those things, uh, people do- I felt. You think of signs and wonders and, and going to the nations and all of that. But if you do all these things, does it really make you an apostolic person? Does it really make you a new wineskin? You know- yeah, by the way, um, the concept of apostolic, you know, it's in one of the creeds. We believe in one holy Catholic, small c, universal, and apostolic church. And when we talk about the church being apostolic in that sense, it's referring to the fact that the church teaches the same doctrine, the same gospel that the apostles preached and taught. It's it's not really what you do. It's really who you are. And it changes your values. It changes what you valued in the past. And you start to realize that God has a different value to us. Just that in itself. If our values start to line up with God's value, we're going to see God in the earth, amen. So my values have to line up with God's values and then I'll see God in the earth, amen. No, I can't say amen to that. That's absurd. Where are you getting these ideas from? They're not in the Bible. It's his value system where we've cared so much about church structures and church buildings and entertainment or how big the church is or how clever someone speaking is or how this is or, or how that is. That isn't what God's concerned about. Amen? That isn't what God's concerned about. You know, he's not concerned. You know what? He also, he also doesn't care about doctrinal differences. Really? God doesn't care about doctrinal differences. That's weird. Um, because, uh, you know, scripture so clearly teaches that, that those who teach false doctrine are to be silenced and God wills for them to be silenced. Yeah, so maybe that's an old wineskin found in the Bible, you know. Uh, so Paul writes in Titus chapter 1, uh, the reason I left you in Crete, Titus, was so that you might put what remained in order, appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone's above reproach, husband of one wife, his children are believers, not open to the charge of debauchery and insubordination for an overseer, as God's steward must be above reproach, he must not be arrogant or quick-tempered, nor a drunkard, nor violent for or, or, or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. And he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and to rebuke those who contradict it. Mm-hmm. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole family, whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. So one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts and lazy gluttons. So this testimony is true, so therefore rebuke them sharply so that they may be sound in the faith. Yeah, it's weird. Scripture seems to say that um, God cares a lot about doctrinal differences. Huge. He thinks hugely about them. 
You are not going to go to heaven and there's going to be a section for Catholics, a section for Pentecostals, a section for Anglicans, a section, you know, denominations. I mean, like sectioned all. Guess what? It's a big C before the throne of God. Amen. All right. So now we're just having her spew about what it's going to be like on the day that Jesus returns. Uh Uh-huh. With And ignoring the clear instruction of Scripture, which, by the way, Clear instruction of Scripture also forbids her from preaching a sermon, which is what she's doing. There's not going to be, you know, there are no favorites in God. He said he's no respecter of persons. Amen. Don't think that we... Yeah, for God to say he's no respecter of persons has no application whatsoever to whether or not God cares about sound doctrine as opposed to false doctrine more than other people that are denominational. Just because they may not be spirit-filled, I tell you what, a lot of people have taught me how to love that have been in the denominations and how to be faithful and how to serve, amen. And also they're very, very good givers, amen. They know how to give and how to build things. So we can't be thinking, you know, like we've got it all together. His values are so much different to ours. I always remember when Bob Jones, and he when he went to heaven in, um, was it 1985? I think it was the, the one thing that stood out in his mind is as people were coming up into heaven, the Lord was there greeting them. And there was just one question asked, did you learn to love? That's the only thing that was asked. Did you learn? to? Okay. So apparently, uh, somebody had a near death experience and we now know that the only thing that's going to matter on the day of judgment is whether or not you learned how to love. That's not found in the Bible. Love. And he said of all the things that, you know, we could be asked, like we think, well, is he going to say, did you do any great things for God? You know, did you go to this nation and that nation? Did you build this and build that? No, the simple question was, did you learn to love? And he was able to come back to earth. Actually, he's written a book. Um, before he moved to heaven, he wrote a book with his wife, Bonnie Jones, about that. Did you learn to love? I tell you what, that's just right there is just a statement, right? That you can't forget. And he was so overwhelmed by that. He was over, he had a heart attack and went, and went straight to heaven. And then obviously he came back and he was healed and everything, but, and was able to give this testimony. But he talked about that until he left for, heaven again. Do you, did, did you learn to love? I think it's a question that we have to ask ourselves. And what, what's this, you know, what is, I believe that all, get all love, all, how can I, all those kind of spiritual things that we're asked to do, like kindness and love, I feel like they're recorded. I feel like they're recorded. I do. I feel like they're recorded in the books, amen, of heaven. Hallelujah. And that, and things that we think are important are not an important. They're not important. Amen. They're not important. Amen. People from all around the world are coming into the same realization. You know, if we want to see cities and things transformed, we talked about this last week, that we need to have people released in every one of these spheres. And we need to promote it. It's important that people are educators. It's important that people are involved in in politics. It's important. Why? Because we want to see people stand up 
and believe, you know, and, and fight for things involved in these organizations. I said last week, it's pretty hard to pray about stuff from the outside if you're not one of the ones voting in the boardroom, amen? It's pretty hard to change things. Even though we know we should pray for our prime minister and our cabinet and Canberra and everything else, it's much, it's so much easier. What if we had half of the politicians who are Christians? It wouldn't be hard. Amen. To get some of the votes in. But that is always, you know, that has been the problem. And the church has a lot to do with that. You know how the church has always said, oh, well, you've got to separate church and state and you shouldn't, you shouldn't be thinking anything about politics. Well, that's ridiculous. If we're called to rule, how could you not think about politics? How could you not think about lawmaking? How could you not think about being in those kinds of positions, amen? How could you not think about being an educator? Wouldn't you rather have someone educating your children or educating if it's in university or TAFE? If they know God, then they don't know God. Like I've had some pretty crazy ones in my three daughters' lives, amen? (laughs) Trying to teach all kinds of things, amen? Praise the Lord. So we we talked about those, um, you know, those seven mountains. And I believe that God is orchestrating people, divinely calling people into what they're called to do, um, you know, into their higher callings and he's opening doors for each different one of those spheres. I really feel like that maybe you don't even know that you're, you're call, you know, this is what you're called to do. And then all of a sudden you think, I'm just going to go to university and 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 do a Bachelor of Art or whatever. Like you, I feel like there's so many changes happening where people are feeling prompted. People are feeling like this is what I should be doing. You know, so many older people say to me, they'll say things like, oh, I don't want to study for four years because I'll be so old when I finish. I'm like, and if you don't do it, you'll be the same age, right? <laughs> like, is there, is there some trick thing in there that I don't know about it? Like, if you're, it, that's kind of a little bit crazy, right? You're going to be four years older in four years time. Amen. Whether you go to university. <laughs> Weird nervous cackle there. Whether you, you know, do some course, whether you do whatever, that's just what's going to happen. Amen. And you can't, and just because you're not doing it doesn't mean that you're not going to get any older. Okay. Amen. All transition, I wrote this down. All transition is a bit unnerving and it comes with its, with its challenges. God has designed change. I want you to hear this to be a process, not an event. Don't we love it? The church loves events. Let's have an event. Let's have an event, like some big thing and then it's over. But it's actually a process that we've been going in for a number of years. Getting to the next level does not always happen quickly. Successful transition takes time. Maybe you haven't really understood about the new wineskin or you haven't really understood about the apostolic reformation, you know, and over the last two weeks, something else is just thinking, well, okay, this is, this is making more sense. So successful transition in any Anything takes time. We've been transitioning into this new wineskin for the over, really over the last three years. God is interested in the result 
of the changes he orchestrates in our lives, but the growth and maturity that accompany transition are also very important to him. He never pushes us to do something. You know, someone can say, oh, why didn't you do that five years ago? Why didn't you do that 10 years ago? It wasn't time for us, amen. This has been an unfolding. You know, vision should keep unfolding, amen. For this reason, he works much slowly than we like. Isn't that true? Amen. But his timing is perfect. And the entire transition process is part of a grand plan for your life. And you, and that will bring you great joy and fulfillment as you pace, patiently cooperate with it. Sometimes it's hard to, you know, there's, there's something about transition. I always think of when the, the, um, you know, like, what's that called? Like when the tide comes in, how it can get really choppy. I don't know what part of the tide that is, but anyway, my dad's a fisherman, praise the Lord. Obviously wasn't listening very well, but I know that it was really, really choppy when we went out on the boat. And I always think about that as transition. That it's always something I have visually in my mind that when we're transitioning into something, there's a lot of hiccups. There's a lot of things along the way. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of, you know, what ifs. So there's a lot of even, is this the way the Lord wants me to go? There's a lot of seeking God and hearing from God. Amen. Hallelujah. There's a scripture here in um, 2 Peter 1. And it says, because does it really matter if we fulfill the calling on our lives individually as wineskins and as the church? Yeah, it does. Therefore, brothers, be more diligent to be making your calling. Now, be diligent in your calling. For while doing these things, you will be no means, you will by no means ever stumble. For in the manner the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, will be richly supplied to you. And this is the bit that I always think of. Be diligent in your calling. I will always be reminding you of these things as long as I live. (laughs) Who knows that you can run away from God all you want, amen? He says that twice in this scripture. He says, I will always be reminding you, amen? Just like when I was doing something wrong the other day and I said how the Lord started singing that love song to me, uh, he was just reminding me, I love you. It's not about you are wrong. You shouldn't be doing what you're doing. You're wrong. Now, I want to point out the fact that she hasn't opened up the Bible and exegeted a biblical text shows where the priority of God's word stands. The priority is not on the written word of God. The priority is on the fresh revelation, the transition, the new wineskin. If God's word were really a priority, this woman would be preaching God's word. It makes very sporadic appearances only, out of context, designed to bolster the new revelation or the new thing that God is doing and aside from that, it sits unopened, unexegeted, unproclaimed. I love you regardless. I love you. So we know that the model of the structure of the church, you know, that we probably will in the 80s and the 90s was all about working in the church, working in the fivefold calling within the church. And the new wineskin pastor is actually pastoring our community, not just the people in the church, but he's pastoring clients 
or workmates or <laughs> so he's pastoring an entire community it doesn't matter if they're believers or unbelievers where in scripture do you see that or other people you know that are you know around because wherever the kingdom of god is which is in you that is what it's the kingdom of god in you that expands the kingdom of god amen because it's that dominion yeah faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of christ kingdom of god comes to somebody when they're brought to penitent faith in christ for the forgiveness of their sins it's that rule it's that authority that we have and and it's a different way of looking at things if you don't if you have that mindset see what do we say apostolic people are people with a world view so if you have that mindset of not i'm called just to this do this one thing but i'm called to this region or i'm called to this nation or the nations of the earth amen god is able to do anything through people that have that world vision because who knows that god has that world vision amen he's not insular he's not thinking i'm only saving this type of a denomination or i'm only yeah i dare not say what i think god is thinking unless he's revealed it in his written word as to what his thoughts are doing that in this group of people he's just going to and fro across the earth to show himself great amen looking for a wine skin looking for a mindset that can just just know that he loves us amen just know that he's not angry with us hallelujah anything outside of the church you know back in the old wine skin was considered your natural job there's no such thing you're a spirit being you're not a freak you are you're not schizophrenic or broken half or whatever you are the same person amen whether you're worshiping god whether you're in your workplace whether you're cooking dinner for your family whatever it is we are a spirit being amen hallelujah so whatever we're doing you know it wouldn't matter whether it be our job or whatever it is God is wanting to sh- to pour himself out through us as a new wine skin. Amen. That's really what he's looking for. The kingdom of God is expanded because God, you know, has that dominion and has that rule. His whole focus, you know, he's not looking for that church building. He died to have a family. What does it say in Romans 8? It says so that we could call him Abba Father so that we could call him daddy. That's what that word means in Hebrew, that we would be able to call him daddy, that we would come into sonship and daughtership, amen, and that we would know him in that intimate way. And his whole focus is on building families. So what's supposed to happen is you become a son and a daughter of God so that you can... This, by the way, is the NAR sonship doctrine someone else how to be a son then you become a father you become a mother amen spiritually maybe not always naturally you probably do it for your own children as well but as you do that and it doesn't matter you can be 100 or you can be 20 you can still be a father or a mother amen you can still it's what the reproduction of that family so that you would show somebody else when you understand 
the family of God, when you understand, of course, over all of those seven spheres is the mountain of God. The the eighth thing is the mountain of God over all those seven mountains. So he's got to be the most important thing. It, It says in the word of God that he's the father of fatherhood. Amen. He's the father of fatherhood. He is the head over everything. When you're brought into that family, when you, if you just train leaders and you don't do life with them and you're not a family and you're not, you're not, um, in sonship and they can't see you that way, then really what is it all about? It's not about training people up to be able to lead things. It's about showing people how to do life. This is what a family looks like. This is what, this is what it looks like. Amen. And we're here for you. We want your family to succeed. We want you to prosper. It's the most important thing that you can do as in part that have sons and daughters come up under you. And it's not the responsibility of the pastors. It's not. We are mothers and fathers, that's true, but it's not our responsibility. We're all, we all have that call, amen? I said last week, you know, that's where it's... You'll note that this whole sermon just literally creates confusion. I mean, do you know what Christianity is anymore after listening to this? Probably not. It's so wrong in the structure of the church where everyone is just looking that the pastors are perfect, but we'll do whatever we want. And then we'll just judge them. And we'll just hate on them because they're not perfect. Really, really bad. Amen. Because it says, touch not God's anointed and do them no harm. Hallelujah. (laughs) So don't criticize a pastor. Amen. And we, yeah, and we have to know that everyone is in the same position. There's no, there's, there is, there is a spiritual oversight in the house. That is true. There is order that way, but everyone has the same call of God. You have the same, God has the same expectations for your life as he does for mine. He doesn't have any greater ones for me than he does for you. Amen. He has the same love. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So God's wanting us to step, you know, into the positions that he has ordained for us because he wants us to be able to change atmospheres and to change cultures and to see things move. And a lot of that will, you know, have to do with if the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. And he Right. So if the righteous are in authority, it'll change atmospheres and stuff. Uh-huh. You know, the whole of creation, it talks about the whole of creation is groaning for what? Not the leaders of God to come forth, but the sons of God to come forth. Sons need to know about sonship. If you're not... Yeah, every verse that she's touched, she's ripped it out of context, poured out its real biblical meaning, and poured in her own meaning here. This is very cult-like son, you can never be a father or a mother. You can never be one ever. And if you didn't have one in the natural, God gives them in the church. Amen. It doesn't have to be just me and Pastor Massey, but there are other people in the church that you can adopt as your mother and father. Amen. Hallelujah. I love this scripture in Romans 8. It says, I consider that our present suffering 
sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in who? In us. These are the scriptures that talk about for the creation waits in eager expectation for, it says in the King James, for the sons, not the children, the sons of God to be revealed. Amen. Yeah, that happens on the last day when Jesus returns. He's waiting. He's actually the whole of creation is waiting. That's what the world is waiting for, is the church to be a true family and the church to... Yeah, that's not what that text is referring to. It's referring to the revealing of the sons of God when Christ returns and we're all raised from the grave. Sonship and understand the love of God. It's very difficult if we don't understand the love of God, if we don't understand that grace, if we don't understand that mercy, how can we show that to someone else? Yeah, why didn't you preach about that then using biblical texts? What a perfect way. You know, God chose a family to show himself through because who knows that mothers and fathers have more grace and love than anyone I know, amen, (laughs) and more acceptance and more forgiveness. Is that right? Amen than any other former person on this earth. Hallelujah. And they have the 10,000th chance. It's not the three strikes and you're out. Amen. And I see why God chose family. You know, I see why God, you know, did that because he really wanted us to um, have that idea. You know, sometimes, you know, when I was, I was first starting out in the Lord, I remember the Lord saying things to me, like when my children were really just, you know, really small, the Lord would say, I love you more than you love those children. And I, I would be like, what? You can't. And that's just like a lot. You know, that is, that's really hard for a mother to understand. But yet what he couldn't really show me something that was more powerful. He couldn't show me something that impacted me, you know, so much to think, okay, he, he loves. And then he'd say, and I love those children more than you love them. And I want them to succeed more than you want them to succeed. And I want them to follow me and fulfill their scrolls and their destinies more than you do. So you need to trust me in areas. Amen. So I can, I can really see, you know, there's something about, there is something about that, that God used the family in such a powerful way to reveal his love to the world. We're supposed to be like a family that never gives up on the brothers and sisters. Not like someone that goes, nah, too hard basket. (laughs) Nah, we tried with them four times, they're out. That isn't how God rolls, amen. (laughs) He's just not that kind of God, amen. Hallelujah. I just um, pray that you just received this morning what um, the Lord intended for us to Receive, and I pray that you leave here with just... So the Lord intended you all to receive all of that, but not to receive God's word rightly taught, rightly handled. And the doctrine and the theology of this thing is based upon her um, direct revelations, and her direct revelations contradict the written word of God, straight up. So I think you kind of get the idea. Wow. That thing was a train wreck. <clears throat> no Christ, no Christ and Him crucified for our sins, no repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Just this, these claims, these assertions regarding the shape and the function of the new wineskin and, and how it's so different from the old. And none of the things she said made any biblical sense at all. So what'd you think? 
Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.